BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is how to become a customer service hero. Joining us today is Catherine Barris, BDR coach and trainer. Catherine, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Looking forward to going through it today. Yes, me too. And uh, I think you're a very excellent person to have uh, to discuss this topic of customer service. You're BDR's customer service specialist. So mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you right with our first question. And we'll start with. Uh, when we're talking about customer service, often we think about having to deal with unhappy customers. And how can we recognize when someone is unhappy? You know, that's a great question. It's also important to realize that when you have an unhappy customer, that there are two levels of unhappiness. And it could be someone that's just dissatisfied and more like annoyed and frustrated. And then there's also an angry, unhappy customer. And I think a lot of times as human beings, we just react and automatically think that the customer's just angry. So those are that's two important things to, to keep in mind when we're recognizing that a customer is unhappy. Don't overthink it. Okay, yeah. Well, that's an interesting point right off the bat there that um, assessing the the level of unhappiness and it sounds like to me that um dissatisfied might be um a much easier one to deal with is that right i would agree with you 100 percent on that it is much easier to deal with and sometimes just based on our own behavior we can take them from simply being dissatisfied to angry in a snap right Um, okay, so and usually when we get to the point of an unhappy customer, whether they're dissatisfied or angry, usually that's come about from a some type of service failure on our part. Um, so let's imagine that we have that service failure, um, and now you know we're we're faced with dealing with that. How how should a company react to that when they've when they've had a mistake? Um, what do they do? First thing we do is listen. Just stop talking, listen, and apologize. Own up to what we're doing. Own up to our mistake because that's people are not expecting that. Stay calm, stay confident, but we also want to take quick action to make sure that we overcome it before it gets out of hand. So what do we do? I mean, we go above and beyond. Go do the things that people are not expecting. And one of the things that I always did right off the bat was just to listen to them. And then I thanked them for calling me and letting me know that something was wrong. Because if I don't know it's wrong, I can't fix it, right? If I don't know something's broken, I can't fix it. And you want to talk about defusing a situation quickly, all you have to use is that simple little script. You know, 
Mrs. Jones, I just wanted to say thank you for letting me know that this is happening because if I don't know that something's broken, I can't fix it. And it kind of defuses the situation. It, uh, absolutely, it does. And I think it's uh, it might actually take people people aback, you know. They're they're ready to have an argument, and here you're already saying, "Hey, I'm sorry," you know, uh, and leading with that. I, I think that's brilliant. Yep, it does take people off guard when you tell them thank you for calling and complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's so true. It is good because you just you just said it exactly. If we don't know, we can't fix it. And now that we know, we've got an opportunity to really turn it into. Um, uh, at least solve it and maybe turn it into a positive. Absolutely. Um, so I want to circle back a little bit to that first question we had about the unhappy customers. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to the service failures here in a minute. Um, but I want to, you know, nowadays we're, we're faced with uh, customers in, in a lot of different um uh, we're, we're communicating with them in different ways is what, what I'm trying to get to. You know, it might be over the phone. It might be over email. It might be in person. It might be virtually. And so can you talk to us a little bit about how we can diagnose that someone is unhappy in some of those different situations? So let's say, let's take in person, first of all. Are there some telltale signs that even if this customer is not necessarily telling you, hey, I'm upset, that maybe they are? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of things that we can look for, triggers, I guess you can call them, as to whether or not a person's unhappy with you. Body language, if you're in person, body language is a big part of it. You know, if they're standing with their arms folded, if they got their feet in a wide stance with their arms folded, that's usually not a good sign, right? They're kind of like on guard. Um, their facial expressions, some of the verbiage that they're using. And the luxury of being in person is you can see the facial reactions, the eyes rolling, things like that, that you don't get the luxury of seeing when you're on the phone with them. But the main thing is watching for that body language and that negative body language when you are in person with that unhappy customer. Yeah, I, th I think that's so true because people won't always tell you they're upset and they won't always tell you why they're upset. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if they are upset, some of the, I mean, everybody pretty much knows when people are unhappy, right? So if we can get to a point where we recognize that they're annoyed, they're frustrated, right? They, they don't feel like they've gotten the delivery on the service that they expected. And that's at that point where they're kind of dissatisfied versus angry. If they're angry, they're going to be more emotional. They're going to be more likely to attack and that's what you got to pay attention to. If they're not quite attacking you personally and they just sound annoyed or they're giving you body language that they they are annoyed, then that's a better place to be in to recover from it than the angry person. When if someone's angry, then your emotions start getting involved. And that's usually anger feeds off of anger. And we don't want to feed that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so now let's go back to having a, a service failure. So we talked about ways that we should react to a service failure of, of listening, staying calm, being confident, and then kind of going above and beyond. How should, what should we not do when we have a service failure? That's a great question. <laughs> Most people are always talking about what we should do, what we should do, right? Yeah, so the, the, the key here is don't become argumentative. Don't be defensive. And how do we know that we are becoming defensive? A lot of times we do it just as a, an emotional response and we don't realize it, but it's the same keys and the same triggers that we listen for with the customer calling us or becoming angry. Don't raise your voice. Don't use sarcasm. Um, I was actually talking with one of um, my friends here recently about handling angry customers and she's telling me her responses and I'm thinking, well, you know, your sarcasm behind that would have just angered me even more. And she got a little defensive with me, but we talked through it and she's like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I guess I am kind of triggering it. So, and a lot of times too, when I listen to people talk about um, clients being unhappy, they think that it's menial or unimportant as the person that they're fussing to. So no matter what we think about it, to that customer, rest assured, they don't feel that way. They're angry or they're dissatisfied for a reason, and we have to approach it with the same tact and the same responsiveness that we would for a major problem. And so don't underestimate the littleness or how big it is with the customer in their mind frame. That would be another good Thing to stay behind <laughs> yeah that's because it's kind of all all relative um but but the perception of that person may be that it's a really big deal and if we don't treat it that way um we're we're already kind of going down the wrong road with them i like that absolutely all right let's dig a little bit deeper Catherine, on handling these unhappy customers you know Big picture, we're going to try to do things that uh, we can avoid having a lot of unhappy customers, you know, so that we're consistent. We've got processes and procedures. We're training our team uh, to work with customers and to do our installations and service so that we can really reduce that on the front side. But when we get to those situations, when we have some unhappy customers, um, how do we handle them? Well, what are some things we can do? Yeah, so... In my class, the customer experience coordinator, I always teach six steps to handling those unhappy customers. And it's important to realize that your clients should always be treated top-notch wise. The our service and our reaction should never decrease based on a client's attitude. So we have to really pay attention to our own behavior internally. Um, because a lot of times our behavior can incite even more bad behavior on the customer. So the first thing that we need to do is let them vent, right? That's when we just got to stop talking. Don't interrupt them. Just let them vent. Let them go. Because if you interrupt them while they're in the middle of venting about it, 
they're never going to hear any solutions that we have to offer. So the first thing is let them vent. The second thing is to check our own attitude. This is a hard one for everybody as human beings, right? Check our own attitude, behave, smile and nod. I mean, that's just some of the things that we gotta do. Just don't take it personal. The third thing would be to express sympathy. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if this were happening to you? They might be having a bad day. You might be having a bad day, but in the end, we want to keep the customer. So we got to just put ourselves in your shoes, show them empathy. Then the fourth step is to solve the problem. Dig into it. And even if we cannot solve it ourselves, we may have to pull in a manager or a technician. There's so many things and so many touches that happen, especially on an install or a service call, there are a lot of hands that are involved in this. So we might have to just calm them down and call them back, follow them up, but always be confident in what we're saying and say, well, I don't have the, um, all the answers. Let me see if I can meet with our team and can I call you back within 30 minutes? Work towards it, solving the problem. And then once you be get that problem solved, or you think you have, the fifth thing that we should always do is mutually agree on the situation. If we think we got it solved, but we don't necessarily ask the customer or the client if they are happy or if it's gonna resolve the issue that they're calling about, they could eventually just walk away or start putting bad um, reviews out there. Things are a lot different nowadays than they used to be with the way people spread the word. Nowadays, they'll just go blast you on reviews, which can hurt us in our marketing efforts and our reputation, of course. So once you finally come to that mutually agreed upon solution, the, the sixth step that we need to take is to follow up. Give it a little bit of time reach out to them, you call them, you text them, you email them, you do whatever you have to do to finally get a good follow-up. If they don't call you back, then that's on them. But if you follow all the steps and you follow up, then hopefully it will recover. And I find that the majority of service failures are definitely recoverable. It's very rare in my 21 years of being on the um, retail side of the industry, I might have fired two customers, right? Two or three at the most. And I could seriously think about them today that, you know, as, as I think about how many did I fire over the years, it was probably three over 21 year period. So I take a little bit of pride in knowing that I was able to overcome service failures and they do happen on a regular basis, right? I mean, we're all humans and we're all working together as a team. Absolutely. I'm sure there's some folks listening to this that are thinking, boy, I'd love to fire some customers. <laughs> <laughs> Last resort, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, wow, you, you dropped a lot of knowledge there, Catherine. So I want to kind of restate some of those points and, and dive a little bit deeper on a couple of them. So okay. the six steps for handling unhappy customers uh, one, let them vent. Two, check your own attitude. Three, express empathy. 
four solve the problem, five mutually agree on the solution, and six follow up. So those are great rules of the road here. Uh, I wanted to talk about number two a little bit more, check our own attitude. Because I think that can be challenging. You know, that's one of the first big challenges dealing with an unhappy customer. And, and how, to, how do we keep a positive attitude when we're dealing with someone uh, that's unhappy that maybe is angry? Yeah, so that one's a tough one. And I am extremely emotionally charged. And when I was younger, it was very heavily that my emotions drove my decisions a lot when I was younger and the benefits of listening to speakers and really recognizing that I'm not in a battle alone, right? We're all in the same world. We all deal with the same types of things and I'm a very positive person. So it's like, how do I keep my positive attitude? The first thing I have to do is don't take it personal. And I'm, <laughs> that was the hardest for me, learning how not to take it personal, right? Some of the best advice that I give people every day, and including myself, sometimes when I get caught up in an emotion, I always say, don't make somebody else's issues your own. Let's see if we can solve it. Let's see if we can make them happy by getting us through it. Smile and nod. I mean, that is a, a, an actual proven method to lift endorphins. And if you have to smile and nod while you're on the phone, they can't see you. So they don't know what you're doing. Smile and nod just to get yourself through it. But don't take it personal. If I could give you one piece of advice on keeping a positive attitude, that would be it. Okay. That is a great one. Don't take it personal. And, and I like that, uh, the idea of separating emotion from the problem. Um, yes. That's brilliant. Let me ask you about number four, solving the problem. I thought something you said was really, uh, really stood out to me, that it's okay to kind of take some time to solve the problem. I think a lot of us, when we're faced with those situations, we feel like we've got to solve it right in the moment. Can you talk more about uh, taking some time to make sure we're, we're actually solving the problem correctly? And, and how we kind of lead up to that and, and handle that? Absolutely. And I'm the number one person of being guilty of trying to problem solve right in the moment. And a client had actually brought that to my attention, not in so many words, but her thing was, well, you know, it didn't have to happen today. And it was like <laughs> smacking me in the face. As a service manager at the time, I'm just totally acting on emotions, trying to get something to take care of. And, you know, I really appreciate you getting this, taking this care of this so quickly. It didn't have to be today. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I started taking a step back and just learning from my own mistakes. You know, not everything, just because they're a little high charged, there's emotions involved. A lot of times we put our own urgency in there because we're like, oh my gosh, we got to get this taken care of. So just take a step back. The first thing that I can say we have to do is gather information, right? Hey, Mrs. Jones, I'm going to go pull all of your information. I'm going to review all of the invoices that we're talking about, or I'm going to review everything the technician said, whatever the case may be. 
And until we have that information right in front of us and we hear both sides of the story, it's really kind of hard to come up with a solution. So don't let our own emotions drive us into, it has to be taken care of right now. I got to, and silence for me was uncomfortable. So I was always trying to talk through the silence. And a lot of times when I talk through silence, I don't necessarily solve the problem. I'm just making myself feel better, not necessarily the homeowner. Mm-hmm. So just take a deep breath gather all the information. Nowadays, it's so great with the technology that we have. We have so much at our fingertips that we can go look at everything, all of our documented items to see what happened to kind of get a better picture of it. But at least if you can't find a solution right away, mutually agree back, um, agree on the time that we're going to call back and discuss it again. But I think sometimes, too, that if we say, you know what, I, I'm going to get my service manager involved in this, or I'm going to get my install manager involved in this, it makes the homeowner feel like, okay, well, good. At least she gets that I'm a little unhappy about this, and I'm going to get something taken care of. And you talk about it as a team, you agree on a resolution, then you call the client back. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Um particularly that most most people don't expect to have a resolution immediately, you know, mm-hmm. and they actually respect it when you say, yeah, I'm going to, I need to look into this. I need to get, get all the facts here um, so we can really solve this thing uh, correctly. And to me, it's a balance between step one of handling un- un- unhappy customers, let them vent. You know, we kind of got to let them blow off the steam first. And then we can come back, you know, in step four to solving the problem of, okay, you've let off your steam. Now let me go collect the facts and we can really work on, on solving this thing. So I, I think that's so smart how you put that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's why you're the customer service expert here. <laughs> um, okay. So Let's, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about these six steps here. And uh, you mentioned in in that last little bit about step five, mutually agreeing on the solution. And part of that can be just uh, maybe not even the final solution, just when we're going to contact them back to, to propose our solution. Is that, is that, did I hear that correctly? Yes. Absolutely. So, hey, Mrs. Jones, we're going to call, I'm going to call you back within 30 minutes or an hour, whatever you promise. The key with that as well is even if we don't have an answer at that point in time, we're going to call them back and say, hey, I'm still waiting on my service manager or whatever, but I haven't forgotten about you. I've gotten all the information together. I'm waiting for him to get here now, whatever the case may be. As long as we check in when we say we're going to call them back, that's going to be key to keeping them from moving up to that angered level. So just even if it's just a follow-up to say we're working on it, I haven't forgotten about you. That is so important, I think, because it's so easy. The process is already broken down once because we've had the service failure, whatever that is. And so now we're, we're kind of on a short leash as we're dealing with this unhappy customer. And if we tell them we're gonna follow up with them and we don't, 
that's that's like game over practically right there. So I love that you you're talking about even if we don't have the answer, we still got to go back and and when we agreed that we're going to contact them, contact them and say, hey, I'm still working on it. Don't worry, I'm on this. Give them that peace of mind. Um, right on. Yeah, and you know I get the question. Well, how am I supposed to keep all this straight? How am I supposed to remember to call them? You know, when I was back in the day when I was behind that desk and when I first started in this industry, I didn't have a computer that could remind me, <laughs> right? Go put it on your calendar. Set up a task to remind you every 10 minutes until you get it done. I mean, there's so many tools at our fingertips and we just don't want to drown in the process. Just figure out a way to make yourself remember and utilize the tools at our fingertips. Yeah, you and I might be uh, dating ourselves if we talk too much about uh, <laughs> the tools we had way back when, when we started. Um, but to me, that, that goes back to the emotional side of it, too. That, you know, if you just take a, a deep breath and, and kind of like, okay, well, how, how do I remember this? Okay, I'm going to uh, make an appointment in my Outlook calendar, you know, to call them back in, in two hours. And that'll the computer will remind me. It's it's just getting out of that emotional mode. I think is still a part of that, so that we're uh, attacking this in a calm, collected fashion. Absolutely. And I, and you were saying earlier how you you used to live by your emotions, and I, I'm having a hard time imagining that because you you exude that calmness to me, Catherine. <laughs> you know, I've worked on myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice job because it, it's showing. You always seem calm, cool, and collected to me. Thank you. All right. So now, as so we've been through the six steps here, um, which I think are really powerful, really useful. Uh, I'm just going to restate them one more quick time because they're so important. Um, so six steps to dealing with an unhappy customer. One, let them vent. Two, check your own attitude. Three, express empathy. Four, solve the problem. Five, mutually agree on the solution. And six, follow up. So Catherine, we started this conversation with the theme of how to become a customer service hero. So we've talked a lot about um, handling unhappy customers and reacting to service failures. Um, I know you have a concept in your class about the heroic save in customer service. Can you tell us what, what that means, what it means to make a heroic save? Sure. And, you know, there's actually, we have a working definition of that. <laughs> <laughs> Our working definition of the heroic save is taking rapid action to resolve a service issue for a customer in a manner that exceeds their expectations and leads to greater customer loyalty in the future. So basically going above and beyond, exceed that customer's expectations. Nice. And and you're saying it'll it can actually lead to greater loyalty. So we have this problem and because of how we fixed it, now the customer is more, more loyal, is that right? Absolutely. And I came across what we call the service recovery paradox. It's an actual literal thing. And when I was looking at it to introduce that concept into the customer experience university class, I started thinking back 
to specific clients that I had this service failure with that we came in and created a recovery and noticed exactly the result this service recovery paradox says. It is a proven fact that customers can often be more loyal to your business after they've experienced a service failure versus a customer who's never had a service failure with you. Yeah, well, it kind of makes sense because if you've if a customer's been through this and and yeah gotten taken care of in the end, it get, does give you a different sort of peace of mind that like okay well whatever might happen in the future with this company, I know they're going to take care of me. I know they care, and I'm not just a you know a number to them, and and they're going to work on it. So I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense actually. Yeah, and it, it's so interesting to think back on it and just remember those clients that I was able to create that service recovery with and remember the sense of satisfaction and pleasure that it brought to my mental state of mind, just knowing that, okay, I didn't lose a customer, I made them happy, right? And the interesting results that we get from this service recovery and being that having that heroic save is they'll become more loyal quicker than a customer that's never had a service failure with you. you know? And not only quicker, but they will also top a customer with loyalty who's never had a service recovery. They'll spend more revenue dollars with you. They'll give you more money because they know you're going to take care of them. They're going to be more likely to invest in our maintenance agreement program. And they generate more referrals. Hey, you're never going to guess how well these guys took care of me. I wouldn't go with anyone else. And I myself have had customers that turn me, turned us over referrals with that in mind. I have one particular customer. She was an amazing client, very hard core with being satisfied. She knew what she wanted. If you failed her, she was going to let you know. But she was my biggest referral generator, not only in the number of referrals she generated over the years, but also with the quality of leads. And the first time she ever gave us a referral from a person within her community, that person told me specifically that if she is recommending you and you are keeping her happy, I am not calling anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think succeeding with the, with those type of clients, there is a, a downstream positive effect, just like you said, that um, people that know them are, are like, hey, whoa, you can satisfy them. <laughs> this is going to be easy because <laughs> I'm not that <laughs> tough. Um, so that's awesome. Any other examples of, of making a heroic save that you have, Catherine? So example of an actual heroic save. Um, well, not, are we talking specific heroic save? Like what was the circumstance or just um, what happens after? Yeah, I uh, sorry about that. That was, that was maybe a bad question. Um, you know, I'm just uh, giving a little more detail on that that heroic save. So it's kind of going above and beyond and exceeding expectations. 
maybe maybe let's take a a sample situation here. Okay. Um, so so let's say we had um, a, or maybe I'll let you come up with the situation. So you give me a service failure, and then tell me what could be done to make a heroic save in that situation. Okay. I actually have a great example, and this this is the actual service failure that I had with this particular client that we were talking about just a moment ago. She has very high expectations of us, and the interesting thing about the service failure that happened with this particular client wasn't something that we did. It was something that happened with a subcontractor one of my service technicians had recommended outside of our industry that could help her fix something in her home. She didn't even call the other company. She called us. She has white carpet in a three-story townhouse in this particular company that my service technician had recommended came in and did some stuff. They didn't use drop cloths. They didn't use all of the same steps that we do to take care of clients' homes. And she put the blame on us because we recommended, not necessarily me or the company, but the service technician that worked for us. So I ended up having to go in and I cleaned all of her carpets from the first floor to the third floor and did everything I could to fix the situation. And I even implemented a process within my team that we are not to recommend any other company um, outside of our industry, like electricians or plumbers or sheetrock people. In this case, it was a sheetrock contractor. They said, if they are not on our suppliers list, we are not to recommend them. And so when I was in the middle of fixing that and I called to follow up after we got a company in there to clean her carpets and all that kind of stuff, I made sure that I followed up. She was perfectly happy with the results. She appreciated that I actually did that. She was not expecting that since we didn't do it, right? Um, but what I did was, you know, I thanked her. I said, you know, it really made me realize that we should have a procedure in place for certain quality of contractors that we are to recommend moving forward in that follow-up call was really rewarding because it made a, it made her extremely satisfied. She was happy with what we did. We went above and beyond. We took quick action and we promised her it was never going to happen to anybody else moving forward. And she was quite pleased with it. So we took quick action. You know, that's a, that's a key. Take quick action to resolve it. Go above and beyond. I didn't want to lose her. In her particular house, she had a three-story townhouse, three systems. Every 10 years, she changed her systems because the extended warranties were going out. We've changed nine systems for this lady in the 21 years that I was there. My goodness. Yeah, that's a customer you want to take care of. But um, what a, that's an awesome story of a heroic save, Catherine. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's perfect. And, uh, and uh, you added a piece to it that we hadn't even talked about yet, which I think is really important of then going and doing what I call making the future fix. So, okay, something happened. And, and in this case, it wasn't even something you, your company even did. I mean, this was makes it truly heroic, but 
you then went back and said, okay, I don't want this to happen to anybody else in the future. And I don't want our company having to deal with these issues in the future. I'm going to make the future fix. I'm going to set up a procedure and a policy on how we deal with this. And so I think that's kind of the, the finish to this uh, uh, heroic save of, of doing the future fix. I love that. Yeah, it was really rewarding to be able to call her to tell her that too, because it's like, you know, you you were part of this development in our business and she became extremely loyal with us. I can't even tell you how many systems we changed with just her alone and people she knew and referrals that she gave us. And it was awesome. And now I wish I had a whole bunch of those types of customers <laughs> <laughs> that has just money at their disposal. Unfortunately, that's not most of the world. And this is one of those diamonds in the rough. But a great example, I thought, of that, that heroic save. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, uh, and I think that's a great way to uh, start bringing this conversation to a close on uh, how to become a customer service hero. Um, so I, I just want to restate some of the things we talked about, um, recognizing when we have an unhappy customer, you know, if we're in person, we can look for that body language or, or the other signs that might show up uh, in other forms of communication, um, how we react to a service failure, things that we don't do, you know, we don't start a conflict, we don't raise our voice. You went through the six steps of handling unhappy customers. Um, is there anything that we didn't get to, Catherine, that you want to make sure and share with our audience? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I think <laughs> you did a great job with the questions. And yeah, yeah, I think we pretty much covered it all. The key is just moving forward, learn from every mistake, right? It, and I've learned from three mistakes that I made today. Kicking myself in the butt over silly little mistakes. Doesn't matter how small they are. It was a mistake. Learn from it. Make sure it doesn't happen again. Yep. And, and so this makes me think one one final point here, because um, kind of what you were just getting at, usually we think of customer service outside our company. We can also do the same kind of things within our company. Um, would any just kind of final thoughts on that aspect of the internal customer service and and uh, is it a similar thought process? Oh, absolutely. The great thing about all of these customer service skills and tools that we have, if we just use them internally with our internal customers, which is our coworkers, you'd be amazed at how well it works just keeping everybody calm. And if we got enough time, I'll throw another example of that out there. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So when we have, and, and I use this a lot for service technicians and installers, you know, when, when we have to approach them based on something that we know they are not going to want to do, and we already know what they're going to say before we even call them to deliver the news, that's our opportunity to recognize that we can offer them, make them suggestions, approach them based on how they're going to respond, because we already know how they're going to respond, give them some options. And I had a service technician that I knew wasn't going to want to go do something late in the afternoons and had a discussion with one of my dispatchers about it. And I said, well, why don't we just give him two options like we would a regular customer? 
said, hey, you can go bite the bullet and get it done this afternoon or maybe come in an hour early. It's kind of close to his house. Maybe he'll go in early and get it done first thing in the morning. And so she called him. Hey, this is what we got going on. I know you really don't want to go do it this evening, but you know, you got two choices. Either we can bite the bullet and get it done, or you can come in early in the morning, which would you prefer? And that technician was like, oh, thank you so much for giving me that choice. I'll come in early in the morning. <laughs> and I have another technician that was not a morning person. We give him the same option. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm going to get it done this evening. No worries. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it just depends on their personality. And if, if we treat them just like a client and just don't take it personal, you know, our, our coworkers and our internal clients are a family take the same approach with our family at work and take the same approach with our family at home too. It's amazing how much, just don't make their issue yours. <laughs> it's amazing how much that can help our personal lives as much as our work lives. If we just apply the concepts, it's all transferable. Great advice, Catherine. Yep. Take the emotion out of it. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, Catherine, you've given us some wonderful guidance on how to become a customer service hero. So thank you once again, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time.